Hello, and thank you for tuning in once again to the Herp Report with Jason White. I'm your host, as well as Jason White here. Uh, my name is John F. Taylor, and today in the Herp Report, we are talking about uh, some different news. Uh, Crocodile eats a tiger, or at least part of it anyway. And then, uh, man, the uh, <laughs> one of the all-time, uh, in my opinion, most gruesome stories ever, uh, the Snake Buster, I'm not even going to say his name because he doesn't deserve it, uh, let's a death adder bite his 10-year-old girl to prove that it's a venomoid. Yeah, you heard me right. He had a death adder bite his 10-year-old daughter to prove that it was a venomoid. Now, if you don't know about venomoids, venomoids can grow their venom glands back. So, enough said about that. Here's a herb report with Jason White. How's life treating you there, Jason? Excellent. Excellent. That didn't sound very convincing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually convinced it is. I think it's only like in the 80s down here, maybe the low se- uh, high 70s. 98 degrees, even. I just checked with my little infrared thermometer. 98 degrees. Even. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are burning up, and I'm not. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know, anytime. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of burning up, there's a certain individual that I'd like to burn at the stake. Ooh, ooh, I don't even have to ask. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, wow. Yeah, so now, now, mind you, I've heard, and this is heard, I'm not stating this as fact, I've heard a lot of various um, quote-unquote stories about this individual. Um about you know how he goes about uh, devenomizing his snakes or removing the venom glands to make them venomoids, which is something I completely disagree with for anything, uh, especially snakes. But you know it's like declawing a cat. It's like what's the point? There's you know if you're not going to leave it in its natural state, don't own it in the first place. Absolutely. I agree. So regardless of all that, according to uh, Australian newspaper. Uh, Mr. Raymond Hoser uh, of Australia, also known as um, what's he also known as? The he's the director of Snake Busters. Snake Busters. Yeah, there was a couple other terms I was searching for there, but anyway, um, he was evidently in a shopping center audience, uh, shopping center, and decided to prove to the audience that a death adder, which is I think, if I'm not mistaken, either third or fourth on the top ten deadly snake in the world list. Um, to prove this snake was venomoid, he had to bite his daughter in the forearm. Uh-huh. Well, hot damn, how intelligent is that? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, really? No. I mean, now granted, I trust my vet with my with my animal's lives. But I, I wouldn't trust my daughter with him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, that just seems a little... That just goes beyond anything I've ever heard of before. I mean, I've heard of some really dumb things to do. And again, this is all my opinion. You know? I don't know. Maybe this is the latest craze. I don't know. John, you, you know, no, it's not. It's not your opinion. It's about 98% of the community's opinion. I mean, dude, I can't believe this guy is allowed to own snakes after this. I, I cannot believe... Well, you know, I, I mean... Oh. What was he fined, like $12,000 or something? Yeah, $12,000. Woohoo! Really? You know, 
You do shit like that here, your kids will be taken away from you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you'd have about uh, probably 25 to 30 faithful reptile keepers meeting you at the next show. After you got out of jail for a few years. Yeah, yeah, I know. He, uh, totally out of line, totally ridiculous. Um, I, I wouldn't let a corn snake bite anybody, let alone my own child, let alone a venomous snake. Um, yeah, you know, I mean... And, and, and you know, John, I, I can almost, it would be such a different story if just some, some amateur keeper did this, but somebody that should know better. You know, somebody who's supposed to be an expert in venomous snakes, um, obviously, is not an expert. Well, you know, that's the thing is I keep hearing about um, Raymond Hoser is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people say, you know, that, yeah, he does all these shows and stuff like that, but, yeah, he's not, uh, he's not what he's portrayed to be, or what he portrays himself to be. And again, these are all comments that I've read. I've never read the man. Don't know anything about him personally. Um, I do know because uh, he states it on his website that he, you know, um, removes the venom glands from his show snakes, so no one gets hurt. And it's like, well, you know, then you shouldn't be in the business, boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that. You know, number one, you shouldn't be showing snakes if you're, you know. In any in any capacity, if you're that fearful that your skills would allow you to get bit, I mean, don't get me wrong. Any venomous snake owner that I've ever talked to said it's not a matter of when or if; it's a matter of when. Absolutely. That you're going to get bit. So if you work with venomous snakes, you're going to get bit. Going to get bit. It's just you know part of life. That's just the way it is. So for him to make these snakes venomoid so that he can work with them. Again, it's just another strike against the against the individual. And, and again, this is just my opinion, you know. I mean, well, well you know, and, and the thing, the, the whole controversy over venomoid snakes, there's never ever. It, it, it's all an opinion. There's never going to be uh, a right or a wrong answer uh, throughout everybody's eyes. Um, there's some people, um, some fairly big people and big breeders and stuff that think it's okay, and then you got other big breeders and stuff that don't agree with it. Right. Um, I don't agree with it, you don't agree with it, there's a whole lot of people that don't agree with it, but, you know, I think it's one of those things where the entire the community as a whole, is they're never going to see eye to eye on the topic. Right, right. But, but, if you want to, you know, alter an animal to keep it for whatever reason, then... What can we say? You know, you're, I think you're stupid, but okay. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean... But don't take, especially knowing how how common it is for these venom glands to grow back, don't take yeah. that thing and let... A, and, and he did... John, did you watch the video? No, because I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I just... These <laughs> snakes did not want to bite the girl. He made them bite the girl. Oh, of course. That, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's like, what? You don't know. No. You know, oh, my God. It just, yeah. It, it's just, in fact, I think it, it took, like, three tries to get the, uh, the, I think it was the Taipan. It took, like, three tries to get it to finally bite her. And, and you know, the girl, she wasn't, she did all this willingly, okay? But that's that's besides the point. I, I mean, 
I don't think the people that I run with in this community would never allow that to happen. No, no. I, I mean, and same here. You know, people that I, you know, deal with on a regular basis in this community would never allow that to happen either. I mean, that's just that's just absolutely insane. It is. It is. It's a uh, complete disregard for uh, the hobby, for the community. Complete disregard for human life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I feel pretty strongly that he should uh, have his licenses taken, his snakes taken, his kids taken, and be thrown in jail. Oh yeah. No, I totally agree with you there. I mean, I'm. And as far as I'm concerned, and this, again, this is personal opinion, you know, for creating venomous snakes, I think you should have been thrown in jail in the first place, but, you know, that's just me. Yeah, that's, uh, you, you know, we, we spoke about this on another program. Yeah, we did. Um, fairly in depth, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, isn't there a certain percentage of snakes that, that just die after um, having an operation like that? Yeah, and I'd have to look back and... You know, recall those figures and facts because we did talk about it on another. Per- on an, I don't, I'm not sure if it was an episode of Herp, uh, of um, the Herp Report with Jason White, but I do remember discussing it with you, and I remember we were talking about the numbers, and it was a significantly fair amount of number uh, of the snakes that have the surgery that actually passed away after the surgery, well, and I, it was I, I, and it was due to the fact that, well, according to a lot of the scientists, anyway, there. The venom has a digestive breakdown element to it yeah, that breaks yeah. down the prey before it even hits the stomach. Well, and I think what was I think what was mentioned would be like the equivalent of removing all the muscle from a python. Right, right. You know, you're, you're removing its ability, and, and, and of course, there's there's certain uh, you know controversy surrounding this as well. But you're removing its natural ability to kill and consume its prey. Right. Therefore, it's no longer able to act as its natural self. And, I mean, I have no idea, like you say, the, the effect the venom has on digestion. Who knows what kind of havoc that wreaks on the snake system with that process not started. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert by any means. But I would have to say that you're... Uh, you're bending Mother Nature, and that's just not... Well, yeah, it's been, it's been presented, though, many, many times uh, as far as opponents of uh, venomoid snakes. The opponents always have presented the fact that venomoid snakes most definitely almost half their lifespan in captivity when they are, uh, after they are uh, become venomoid, their life expectancy cut, is cut in half. Yeah, I could see that. So, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. And, you know, I think anybody can Google it and whatever and find the same things that I've discovered, so. I, I, I don't, um, you know, I don't agree with altering any. I, I refuse to neuter my dog. That's how unaltering I am. I re, it just, no, no. Yeah. And, 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 you know, John, for, for your uh, listeners, it's uh, important to point out, um, maybe you could put a link on this story to the video that explains uh, it's on the Daily Reptile News website the three cobras three venomoid cobras two of which produce venom after the operation hmm nice you know, that, that, that way people that are that are unfamiliar with what we're talking about can look at how, how common it is for these venomoid snakes to continue to produce venom after their operation 
Right, and and that's linked in the in the video on DRM, right? It's not linked in the video. It's on the story on the on the home page. Oh, I, it is I, on the story. Okay. I yeah. Agree. So what I'll do is I'll put a link up to the story then on on uh, the Reptile Living Room uh, her report with Jason White and make sure that that's linked. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because that that's uh, for for people that are uh, um, ignorant to this. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, John? The, the ignorant to venomoid snakes. That's a that, that's a real important video. Yeah, yeah, very no, very definitely, very definitely. Now, talking about important, um, I just read your or listened to your story about this herpetologist that uh, <laughs> finds an endangered snake in the middle of British Columbia or Canada. Oh, that that is awesome, dude. That was awesome. <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, dude, that's awesome. He's out looking for something else. He was out looking for what rubber boa and something else. I don't remember what the other snake was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Leslie Anthony uh, is the name of the herpetologist. He's not, I guess, a herpetologist anymore. But um, right. Actually, I ran through his educational background. And I was fairly impressed. But he, um, yeah, he goes out with friends and looks for snakes, odd species, and stuff. And this, supposedly, um, a, a, assuming this uh, story is accurate. This is the first shark tail snake to be recorded on mainland British Columbia. That's what it said, yeah. I was like, wow. That's, uh, you know, I, I have shark tail snakes. I love shark tail. I don't have them. I don't keep them, but I have them on my property, and they are just awesome snakes. Yeah, I've looked for them a couple of times out here in, you know, in Southern California. I still have yet to see them, but, you know... That's what the you know because in the article it was all it was funny to me because uh, there was there somewhere in there they mentioned you know that this is a very secretive snake and pretty much my partner uh, my old partner and I who's uh, now passed away uh, Graham Smith uh, came up with an analogy for that he said anytime science refers to anything as secretive it means we don't know jack shit about it. <laughs> Yeah, because they're a bug eater, right? They they primarily feed on slender salamanders and slugs. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So that would that would definitely be really hard to keep in captivity, then. I know people that do very successfully. I've never really. Been able to wow, them. that's impressive. Uh, yeah, but but they're not. You know, they're not. I mean, the, these the short tail snakes. For the people that don't know, they. They get adults, like the largest adults, you might be looking at about the size of a number two pencil. Right, right. Um, I've only personally ever actually found one out in the open, and that was right on my property. Mostly these things are coming out. Uh, they like damp, dark areas when you're out in the woods and you're looking through a uh, bark that's laying on the ground under a tree. You find them under there, under rocks and stuff, but they, they're... They're very, as you say, secretive. You don't just find them out wandering around like you might a, a king or a gopher snake. Right. It's almost kind of like the uh, ringneck snakes that we have down here in San Diego. Exactly. And, exactly. and I'm sure you have, I know you guys have ringnecks up there too, but it's... We do. Um, so you know about them then. It's like, you know, it's, a, it's once in a blue moon, you'll flip that damp piece of bark and you'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> I have been looking for snakes in California, John, for about 20 years now. I've only found one 
green neck snake, and I didn't even find it. Somebody at work found it and called me and had me come t- tell him what it was. So Graham and I found two. <laughs> yeah, and in totally separate areas, totally separate years. So yeah, I we mean, know, we know how that works. That was one of those things right along the lines with the um, California mountain king snake on my list of stuff I'd love to find and. You just don't... Oh, oh, speaking of, Okay, we're talking target species now, and this is totally off-topic, but I have to do it. It's always off-topic. <laughs> um, next weekend, I'll be out in Arizona, and, uh, yeah, I was told that uh, just this past, I think yesterday, uh, the folks that I'll be visiting have found so far, I kid you not, six Mojave rattlesnakes... Um, one Arizona black rattlesnake, uh, one, uh, I believe it was a mountain king, I'm not positive, and then a bunch of amphibians and a bunch of desert hairy scorpions. So, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, Jason, because you and I have talked often, you know, often enough about it, the Mojave rattlesnake has always been a target species for me that I still have yet to see in the wild and take photographs of. So... Yeah, this is going to be an awesome trip next weekend. So the Herp Report next weekend will be broadcast. We will be recording it. It will be from some small podunk hotel in the middle of Arizona, but we will do it. <laughs> well, you know what we're going to have to do? John, we're going to have to do something live. I think we should. I really think we should. That would be awesome to jump on Saturday night from Arizona and do something live like that. You know, even if it's just some little bullshit, whatever, you know, that... Yeah, because I think what we may have to do is I may have to call you in, uh, call you, uh, call you directly, and then do it that way. But uh, yeah, we'll figure out something, dude, because that that would be a hot that would be a hot show to uh, uh, hear my first uh, encounter with the Mojave rattlesnake in the wild. You're reading what they're saying about venomous snake bites all over the world this year, aren't you? Uh, that they're becoming more potent. Well, they're becoming. They're saying. Oh, well, more common. Yeah, the way our weather's been this year, they're they're just they're up tenfold. You know, I'm I'm not so sure if it's the weather that has brought out the snakes or brought out the people. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's more of the weather has brought out the people more than it has the snakes. Uh But again, you know, I'm not a scientist, so I you know I don't have the data to back that up, but. Yeah, I'm thinking it's more of the weather bringing out the people than it is the weather bringing out the snakes. But, of course, you know, mass media is going to play it off as, you know, there's a 20-foot killer rattlesnake around every corner that you, you know, hike in, so. Well, if we do the herb report next week from a hospital bed, <laughs> they'll be able to tell us all about those <laughs> Well, I stopped pre-handling rattlesnakes a while ago, so I don't think that'll be an issue. But, you know... Thing, you know, like we said earlier, when you work with venomous snakes, it's not a matter of when, it, or it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, so. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and there is scorpions, you know, so there could I could have an allergic reaction to a scorpion sting, I mean, there's. You know, I'll tell you what, John, I, the first scorpion I ever found, I killed it. Oh. Um, Again, back in the day, younger and dumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have them all over up here. But they're little. They're they're maybe half an inch long. 
Um, almost transparent, uh, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen two of them. I've got some pictures I'll have to share for you after the show. Sure. And, uh, they're bigger ones. They're probably two or three inches long that we found right up here in the El Dorado National Forest and rotted out trees and stuff. And I'll tell you what, I I feel like screaming like a five-year-old girl every time I see I just, oh, oh, man. Oh, dude, talk about screaming like, oh, I can't even believe I'm going to say this to you live. Anyway, <laughs> talk about screaming like a five-year-old girl. I just recently took out, and this is absolutely nothing to do with the Herp report, which hates some light. I'm sorry, but this is a pretty funny story. Um, talking about field herping, I took uh, some friends of mine, or a friend of mine from work, out field herping. He, now, he's from Canada, never been field herping in his life. So we took him out, and uh, we caught a couple of glossy snakes, or not glossies, uh, uh, a few long-nosed snakes, and a couple of patch nose and uh, spotted leaf nose as well. So we pulled to this one area and we're sitting there <clears throat> just kind of, you know, deciding on which route we're going to take, you know, because it's kind of like a fork in the road thing. And uh, he happens to flash his light over to the uh, side of the road and he's like, dude, it's right there. I can see it. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? There's nothing there. Now, there's two other individuals in the vehicle with us besides myself and Jimmy Poole. All of us have our flashlight on said snake, but none of us except Jimmy can see it because it hasn't moved yet. <laughs> so about two minutes into the discussion with Jimmy, it finally moves and I see it and it's an actual adult long-nosed snake. So this is a great find. Jump out of the truck, uh, grab hold of the snake, of course. Now said snake has climbed into a creosote bush, which you know I'm attempting to unravel it from. Now, I'm about halfway, I've shoved my body halfway into this creosote bush, you know, cuts and scrapes and scratches everywhere, just, you know, I'm bleeding like a stuck pig, not really happy that I'm digging this snake out of this creosote bush, and I see this little brown creature jumping around in the bush itself. I'm thinking, oh, it's got to be a cricket, right? Oh, no, no. Oh, no, it wouldn't be a cricket, because, you know, crickets are cool. I can handle those. No, it was a freaking sulfugid. Are you familiar with how disgusting and abnormal and no right to live a sulfugid is? <laughs> no, 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 that was <laughs> That was a personal opinion. I'm scared shitless of those things. I hate them. They're ugly as sin. <laughs> So, needless to say, my face is about maybe an inch or two away from a particular branch, and I'm still unraveling the snake. And, of course, said Sulfugid decides to climb up on said branch. And, of course, you know, talking about screaming like a little girl, I think I screamed like a little girl, said a few expletives, um, you know, all the while trying to hold on to the snake. Oh, yeah, that was bad, bad, bad. Yeah. I mean, and granted, you know, so huge is, like you said, they're only a couple inches long. But, man, when they're two inches away from your face, that thing looks like it's going to eat you. <laughs> that thing was going to eat my, it was going to eat my face off. I swear to God it was. That reminds me of those, uh, what was it, in Afghanistan, I guess they said that's what it was. Uh, oh, the freaking camel spider. Jesus, yeah. Uh, yeah, speaking of getting eaten, <laughs> back to the Herp Report with Jason White. <laughs> now, 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 what's getting eaten have to do with 
<laughs> well, evidently a croc killed a tiger after a night-long duel. Oh, wow, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that... You know, and I'm still kind of questioning this one, Jason, to be quite honest with you, because it says, you know, this is the first time that a crocodile has stalked and hunted a tiger in the mangroves. I'm sorry. <laughs> were you watching this the whole time? Well, no, no, and, that, and that's the thing, is they weren't watching it, but they, they apparently, um, you know, if I remember correctly, they saw the standoff begin. Oh, and, okay. And they came back the next day. They found the tiger missing its genitals, one leg, and having several puncture wounds consistent of a crocodile teeth with a large crocodile, what they said, guarding the meal. So, oh, okay. Now, I have to, those park rangers over there are smart people. i got to assume that if they say this croc killed this tiger, that's exactly what happened. Um, oh, no, I'm not doubting the croc killed the tiger. You know what's funny though is they 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 sent the tiger to uh, a lab to be uh, you know for all this to be figured out, and they didn't trust their own in-house people. They actually sent it away to other people, um, not the normal people that look at dead bodies. Uh, so apparently this is a significant enough event that they wanted some uh, higher up people to look at it. Right. Right. So that, that's, uh, you know, I, I can't say, I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, aren't tigers normally killing crocodiles? But when I think about it, I can't ever think of hearing of either killing either one. No? Uh-uh. Yeah, no, I can't ever remember any any uh, stories of tigers and crocs ever preying on one another. Yeah, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, it's not... Um, Tigers are in real bad shape all over our planet right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, there's no mystery there. That's that's a definite. But, but, tigers are in real bad shape all over our planet right now because of us, not because of crocodiles. No, this is true. Yeah, that's very true. If you ask me, this was an act of Mother Nature, and Mother Nature has never created an act that caused any issues with Mother Nature. Um, very true. So I. I mean, I, I love first-time things, and, you know, for the tiger people out there, I hate saying this, but I love reading about this story, because, uh, you know, it's, it's the first time they apparently are documenting a crocodile killing a tiger. Yeah, very true. Now, the other thing, um, you know, speaking of crocs, we just recently had on the Reptile Living Room um, interview with an expert, Chris Law, um, who's a crocodilian expert. Um, he was talking a lot about crocs and conservation and behaviors and what have you. And then, you know, right into the conservation thing, here comes this thing out of China where this uh, gentleman was trying to smuggle a croc in a, in a, luggage, in a luggage bag. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a hard story to understand, as with most that come from China. But uh, I don't know what the gentleman's intentions were, but... I don't, I don't think any charges were pressed. Um, I believe the animal was just confiscated from him because you need import-export papers if you're moving anything through China. And right. um, all they, the, the authorities there said that he couldn't produce papers, so the alligator was confiscated. So I, it, it's hard to say. Um, a lot of times you hear about this stuff heading towards dinner plates, and I don't believe they said here what his intentions were with this crocodile. No, I haven't, I've never, 
you know, because I, I tried looking it up a couple of different ways, and, you know, I still can't find it. Like you said, I can't find out what the gentleman's intentions were. I, I mean, for all I know, he was a zoo curator that was bringing it back to a zoo in Ethiopia or something. I don't, I, right. I don't, and I don't even believe they give his name, so it's, uh, yeah, but, but, I mean, the bottom line is, yeah, he, he attempted to, uh, move a crocodile in his luggage through China with no papers, so, um, it didn't happen. Yeah. Really bizarre stuff. And like I said, Chris Law just got done talking to us, you know, a little while ago about, you know, conservation and, you know, the whole crocodile thing and what have you. And, you know, gosh, man, these things are, and, you know, because I don't, I personally, I've never owned or, you know, worked with a croc or alligator or, you know, species like that. But from what Chris told us, man, these things are like really intelligent. And and they're just you know they're just really awesome animals. It was really a great interview. I learned a lot, and that's why when I saw that report, you know, with the guy smuggling out of China, I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what Chris was talking about. You know, (laughs) people, you know, taking stuff that they're not familiar with, and you know, it's just bad all the way around. I gave Chris a hard time a couple weeks ago. I I I made a comment somewhere about uh, moving the alligator to its new enclosure. he asked me, he said, uh, how did you go about pulling, pulling the strings to get the permits for that alligator? I said, I didn't get no permits. I don't need no permits. I found the thing in my living room under my couch. <laughs> I didn't hear from him for like two days, and finally I came back and said, hey, I don't want nobody thinking anything here. I said, listen, it's a southern alligator lizard that I'm talking about, not an actual alligator. <laughs> yeah, really. Around these parts, when you know we don't have alligators here, when we see an alligator lizard, we refer to it as a gator, you know. And, and yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty funny though. But no, he's a good guy. He's, uh, he's a smart guy, real serious about what he does, and loves those uh, kind of Yeah, very definitely, very definitely. So, uh, anything? Uh, what's the uh, what's the new new deal with the DRN? Anything new and exciting? What's coming up? Talk to us. Well, besides the fact that you've become my secretary. Yeah, by the way, everybody, okay, let's get one thing straight here. You can hear him talking. That means he's not dead. So don't send me a message asking what's wrong with John. I haven't heard from him. If you want to know what's wrong with him, just go to his website every Monday and listen to the show. Exactly. And there's actually a post on... uh, ReptileApartment.com that explains what has actually happened. Like Jason said, I'm not dead. I'm not dying or anything like that. Just uh, I gotta tell you, some of the messages I've received from people are the same messages from the same people week after week. And I sent I, you know, nothing's changed. And and, and, I mean, ultimately, I don't mind. It's just funny how. it's funny. Yeah, you know, I never really, I, and to be quite honest, and this is totally honest, Jason, I never realized I had that much of an impact on the community that people would be contacting you. Well, I'm still wondering, why are they contacting me? <laughs> why, don't, why don't they call the San Diego coroner's office and ask them? <laughs> it's like, hang on, let me go check his bedroom and see if he's in there. <laughs> well, you know, we did talk every Monday, so... <laughs> Or every Saturday, anyway. Well, it, you know, 
if they knew that, then they would know to go to the reptilelivingroom.com and see if we talked on Monday. <laughs> That's just it, you know? You should pimp that on Facebook and Twitter all week long about how excited you are about going out and free handling some. <laughs> so, any predictions for what we're going to see on the Herp Report next week? Um, predictions that we're going to see on the Herp Report for next week. <laughs> Uh, let's see, you know, um, oh, I watched the episode of Super Snake on uh, National Geographic, so I'm predicting that sometime soon, the uh, Florida Everglades will be taken over by 40-foot frickin' African rock pythons that will eat half the population. And I can tell you right now, you're going to be wrong. <laughs> but come I on, watched, man! <laughs> Animal Planet said so! <laughs> John, I watched our friend Tom Crutchfield on Animal Planet a couple days ago. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, you know what? Actually, before you start, Jason, he commented on how, taken out of context, a lot of his work has been. I was told by a third party that is friends with both of us that Tom Crutchfield told him that he did not allow, he did not give them permission to air that footage on Animal Planet. That's exactly what I heard as well. I do have to say, though, I'm very impressed. I, I was impressed. Um, he did an excellent job. It's uh, The narrator of the show did a shitty job. But yeah. Tom did an excellent job, and I want nothing more right now than to drive down there and visit his facility, because he has some awesome animals. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, you can listen to the Reptile Living Room interview with Tom, and yeah, it's... Wow. And he's actually he's actually volunteered to come back on the show and talk about some other projects that he's currently working with. I I, I just look at the way he um you know working with his animals and stuff and and, and I don't I, I forgive me I don't remember the species but he showed a snake on there where there's apparently no known anti venom for it. Right. And the guy is just so confident, so <coughs> what he's doing, and, and it, it's. He's just one of those people that just leave, you watch him handling his animals, and he just leaves you in awe. Yeah, well, you know, when I when I first did the interview with Tom, with uh, you know, Mr. Crutchfield, you know, I know he will constantly tell me to call him Tom, but I still, you know, the guy's an icon. Yes. When I called him an icon, he's he said something to the effect of, "Well, I'm not an icon. I'm more like a dinosaur." And, you know, the guy, I mean, you just have to listen to the Reptile Living Room interview with Tom Crutchfield. He's a great guy that's just, he's been around, I swear to God, the guy was breeding dinosaurs. But, you know, he won't stand still long enough for us to do the carbon dating, so we can't prove it. But, uh, yeah, he... You see, that's that's the thing about him, is he's so humble, and he's he's such a badass, but he won't say it. Exactly. He won't even put himself above a beginner. No. And, and, and that, that is what I respect right there. You know, it just, it, it, you know, you, you, you got the people that, that, that think they're a badass and they push it all over the place. I hate that, but, but he is. Yeah. He doesn't, uh, he just doesn't come off that way. No, no. Tom is a freaking genius when it comes to right. reptiles. And like you said, he just doesn't come off that way. He's just a very humble guy that just wants to help people enjoy snakes. Yeah. Or reptiles, for that matter. It doesn't have to be I snakes. Mean, one of the things this episode I was watching was about was that incident that happened at, on his property. And I, I, I could not believe that after 
after this man shot him, uh, grazed him, um, he had good stuff to say about it. Wow, I didn't realize that. It was amazing, you know, he was, he was saying, you know, that for the most part he was a good person, he was just in a bad place. Wow. But it's like, wow, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I would be all over that, talking about his mother and everything if somebody shot me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've I've stopped watching Animal Planet altogether. I just, uh, but now that you mentioned that episode, I'm gonna have to go back and find it and you know, watch it. Was it, it. Uh, it was a swamp, an episode of Swamp Wars with the Venom One people. Yeah. Okay. It was one of those episodes that, that he was on, and I uh, I DVR those because, the, like I said, the narrator really sucks. Yeah. Uh, he really uses that shock and awe tactic for people, but right. The Venom One guys are real sharp. Oh yeah, no, yeah, definitely. The Miami guys, yeah, they're sharp stuff. They, they, they not only treat snake bite victims, but they're snake enthusiasts as well. Right, right, exactly. Um, I, I like that show. I wish they changed the narrator, or at least changed the editor. But uh, right, that's probably the one show that I'll actually watch on Animal Planet anymore. Okay. You know, they, they talk a lot about the Python problem, but even the, the shock and awe tactic... You know, you really want to know the truth about the Python problem? Again, you know, I hate to keep plugging my, my you know, our radio show, but, you know, the Reptile Living Room, go listen to um, uh, Sean Heflick from Python Hunters. Uh-huh. It, it just doesn't get any better. Nat Geo Wild, Python Hunters, enough said. It's yeah, a yeah. it's a biologist, a cop, and a reptile breeder out in Florida. They got the first three permits to go out and catch these wild, you know, quote unquote super snake pythons, and they tell it like it is. Yeah, exactly. I, I've seen. Um, I don't get that channel, but I've seen some of their stuff on YouTube. And, right. Um, pretty, pretty impressive. They, uh, they, yeah, they don't. Uh, yeah, when I had Sean on the show, he didn't mince words. He just told it straight out like it is that, yeah, these pythons escaped. Are they taking over the Everglades? Well, you'll just have to listen to the show to find out. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've spoken to people um, that say that the uh, professionals in this python problem field, if you can call them professionals, right? Uh, they say that there is no fix for this problem. That, that there's, uh, you know, they put through these bands, it's not going to fix the problem. They can no. open up free hunting season on all pythons, kill them when you see them, we don't care, kill them all. Right. We're never going to the pythons in America now. They're, they're here, they're here to stay. Yeah. But the thing is, Jason, is, uh, once again, you know, like you and I have constantly, constantly, constantly battled against. The mass media produces these shows, it makes America think that, they, you know, Anytime your child walks outside their frickin' front door, they're going to be, you know, attacked by some snake or reptile, and it's just bullshit, and I'm sick of it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, and, 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 and you know, I'll have to, uh, contradict that. Some of the bigger shows that, um, about this problem on Animal Planet and stuff, it's not the mass media. There's actually one of the biggest ones called, uh, what's it called? Killer, Killer Pythons, I believe, was actually a documentary put on by Congressman Rooney. Who is the yeah, true, true. Backing, Congressman Rooney is the backing to this whole band, and uh, conflict of interest right there, you know. But um, yeah, that's a whole other show. 
Yeah, yeah, true. I'm actually hearing, uh, you probably heard the same things, I'm hearing good things um, out of Washington from Andrew Wyatt. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he's, uh, hopefully we'll be able to, are you still going to be up here in October, still, still planning on it? Yeah, that's what we're looking at in October, because uh, after the Arizona trip, that's the uh, last trip we're going to, well, it's the last trip I'm going to make until October. When I can okay. get out to uh, get up to Northern California and hang out with you and uh, Igor Ortega, and there's a couple other people up there that I want to see as well. Yeah, they. Hopefully, I haven't heard back from Andrew yet. I asked him if he's been. He was here last year. Um, hopefully, he's going to be here this year. And he um, he gave me an on-camera interview last year, so that'd be uh, that'd be awesome. Nice. Yeah, Andrew's way cool, man. That's one of the guys that I really, really, really have a lot of respect for in the industry. He is, you know. I, I, I hear just, just the, the business that we're in. We're here, we hear a lot of crap from people, you know. Yeah. And um, against U.S. Arc and everything, and, and, and I, I can't speak for him or against him either way. I'm, I mean, honestly, I'm not a member. Um. But I've sat down face-to-face and talked with Andrew, and he's got a passion that's unmatched by a lot of people. In oh, yeah. And I, I don't care if his history is a, well, a big morph chaser. But I don't care what his history is. I know what he's doing now. And um, all I can say to the people that don't think he's good at what he's doing is I don't see them stepping up and going to uh, congressional hearings in Washington. Right. You know? Um, I'm uh, I'm proud to have somebody like that um, sticking up for us. Yeah, very definitely. Yeah, same here. I'm totally I'm totally a supporter of US Arc. Um, love what they're doing. Um, seen them on multiple occasions, very a lot of different shows and stuff like that. And just every time I talk to Andrew, he's always on the front lines in everybody's face about you know, look, this is what's going on. This is how we can stop it. Are you in or out? You know, yeah, he's, yeah, you know, he's just bam. Here it is. <laughs> deal with it or not. If you're not going to deal with it, I'm moving on. <laughs> the guy doesn't read off the teleprompter either. When you hear him talk, he really knows his stuff. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, yeah it's uh, we, we. I think we spent probably about six hundred dollars at the U.S. Arc auction last year. Um, one of the funnest things I've ever done. We're probably going to go right back to the auction this year if they if they have it up here. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where I uh, picked up Carl the Accidental Chameleon. Uh, wasn't supposed to be purchasing anything, and uh, you know, yeah, I bid on a chameleon. Luckily, he was cute, so the wife let me keep him. <laughs> we were going to be good reptile hobbyists, and they, they were looking for donations of products and animals and stuff to auction off. So we went ahead at the last year. We bought a snake and donated the snake, and the idea was, I really liked the snake, so I bought the snake, gave it to U.S. Art to auction off, and then my plan was to buy it back at the auction. (laughs) I knew I I was going to lose my ass on this deal, but I figured, you know, hey, I lose a few hundred bucks, it's it's worth it. You know, I've got it to burn. Sure. um, Somebody outbidded me and pissed me off. Oh! Another snake came up. My wife kind of thought it was cute and said, "Can I, can I bid on it?" And I said, "Listen, you bid on whatever you want. Whatever you want, bid on it." Big mistake, John. Big mistake. Oh, dude, you left your wallet open? We came home that Sunday with a trunk full of snakes. Oh. Um, it, it took 
three trips. <laughs> it took three trips from the parking garage to the room to all these upstairs. Oh, freaking standing! I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> but, but this year, my wife's already told me not to let her be on hand. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, the stuff that she bought last year there is some of the best stuff I have right now. So. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, man. U.S. Ark, they they never they never disappoint with their auctions. And, and, and you know, if, if anybody ever has the the ability to go to the U.S. Ark auction, they should do it because they have the best stuff they have. Oh yeah, definitely, man. You know, if anybody ever has the the ability to go to the U.S. Ark auction, they should do it because they have the best stuff they have. Oh yeah, definitely, man. You know, if anybody ever has the the ability to go to the U.S. Ark auction, they should do yeah, exactly, exactly, totally. All right, man. Well, with that, especially when he gets, especially when he gets that southern accent going with his auctioneer voice. Oh yes, yes, very definitely. The old uh, southern auctioneer comes out in Andrew at every show eventually. <laughs> Texas, is that? That I don't know actually. It's very possible, but. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to uh, get out of here, and I'm going to go chase some uh, Pacific tree frogs right now. Pacific tree frogs? Yeah. Yeah. we got a little river up here up the road, so I'm going to go uh, see if I can find some Pacific tree frogs. It's 100 degrees out. They're not out. Hey, they've been out before. <laughs> I've got a very bad announcement to make, actually. Very bad announcement to make. Oh, dear Lord. Before we go, this is a horrible announcement. I was going to make this the other day when it was brought to my attention, but I didn't do it. Um, just about every morning, I photograph a frog outside my front door. Right, right. Um, Kermit is no longer with us. What? Kermit is no longer with us. Um, what the hell did you do? He was found uh, the other day in the door frame. Uh, I believe... Even one of the kids with the babysitter or something, I saw him that morning and then found him that night. I believe they left the screen door open and then later that day went and shut the screen door and he was inside the uh, door frame. Oh. Yeah, Kermit is no longer with us. Good news is Kermit 2 took his place. Oh, really? Sweet. We've got another one that's hanging out that now and there, there now, but... The frog that everybody is so used to seeing at five o'clock every more every weekday morning on Facebook will no longer be seen. Oh, dude! I feel like we should like play a memorial for Kermit, dude. That's just a blow. Memorial for Kermit. Poor Kermit. Uh, Jesus. So you're going out looking for tree frogs? Yeah, I'm going to go out and look for some more Kermits. Just because, you know, it's it's dark now. It's about 75, 80 degrees here where I'm at. So, uh, yeah. 
I just made the uh, executive decision to go look for some uh, Kermit the Frogs. And so there you go, folks. That was Jason White with the Herp Report with Jason White on the Reptile Living Room. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week in the Reptile Living Room.